What's really good and welcome back to another episode of the Sanchez Show. As always, I'm your host, Eric Sanchez, a.k.a. Legend of Two Games. Make sure you follow me across all social media platforms. It's Legend of Two Games completely spelled out. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, we're there. As always, I mentioned, uh, you know, there's a topic you want to hear discussed, a debate you want to have, you want to be a part of the show. Don't hesitate, man. Send that request in. I'll see what you got going on and maybe we can get an episode in or I'll answer your question here on the show. With that being said, today is Thursday, May 12th. Got to give you guys my reactions to the game fives we just saw over the last couple days. Uh, I wanted to let a couple days go by as well before I gave you, you my thoughts on Canelo Alvarez losing to Dimitri Bivol. Um, before we do that, though, also I want to give you guys a heads up. We got a good episode coming up with Will Gordon this weekend where we do a retroactive look back at the 2013 NFL Draft. Why that specific drive, you may ask? Because that's the last time only one quarterback was taken in the first round. So because we had it done this year, we've, we decided let's go back nine years since that was the last time it happened and revisit some of the grades that were given out to teams that year and how that draft played out for everyone. But today, I'm flying solo, so it's my Thursday morning rant. Man, it's early in the day Thursday. No games are, are taking place just yet. Uh, obviously, later tonight, we got some NBA action. We got some Major League Baseball action, which we got to get into. Um, no big fights this weekend, so it's, it's mainly going to be NBA some baseball talk and like i said looking back at last uh saturday's loss um tonight we do got two big game sixes we'll get into that in a second but let's start with canelo alvarez losing as i mentioned i wanted to give it a few days now on a previous pod i mentioned i thought canelo would win by decision i didn't think he would be able to knock out bivol but i thought he would be able to outbox him and get to the body and win on the scorecards i was wrong and I was wrong for a number of reasons. And as the fight started and went on, I started to see where I was completely wrong. And one of the main things I overlooked, Canelo to me was not a guy who was in shape to fight at this particular weight. Not that Canelo wasn't in shape, but at this particular weight, you could see him start to slow down as the fight went on. You could see the frustration set in. You could see he didn't look as sharp. And I think a lot of that had to do with adjusting to fighting at 175. Again, he had only one other previous fight at 175. Uh, it was against Kovalev, who he knocked out in the late rounds. But this fight was different. Bivol was younger than Kovalev was at that time. Bivol was sharp early. Bivol did a great job of maneuvering around the ring, fighting with distance, using his jab to set the pace. And he set a very slow, methodical pace that didn't allow Canelo to take advantage of any of his mistakes. So that's where I was wrong. I thought Canelo would be able to control the pace, control this fight, but he, he gassed out uh, as the fight went on. And it reminded me a little bit of the first fight with Triple G in that Canelo just didn't seem um, fully prepared for the moment at that weight. Again, not to say Canelo couldn't handle himself against Bivol or against Triple G. Obviously, we saw how played out the second time. But sometimes there are things left in training camp. There are adjustments that aren't made. I thought it was... Uh, ironic or maybe ironic is not the right word for it but I just I found it a little puzzling that Canelo's corner continued to try to get him motivated to go and he just that that switch never flipped there were several times in the fight where his corner was advising him to be more aggressive advising him to get it going asking him what was wrong asking him why he was so slow to the to the punch and he never really responded and that to me like I said it could have been a sign of just fatigue it could have been a sign of frustration it could have been a sign of not really 
being all the way engaged for this fight. Um, I thought one of the other things, too, that, you know, I didn't talk about on the podcast, but as things went on and I mentioned I mentioned it briefly where they were the already the talks of the next fight, the Triple G trilogy, uh, the money that was offered for Errol Spence, possibly Benavidez on fight night. Thinking about those things, that's when it rather kind of hit me like, wait a minute, could Canelo be looking ahead? Could he be already anticipating those bigger name fights and kind of looking past Dimitri Bivol? I don't want to say he was looking past him, but his performance gave the impression to me that he was not fully prepared for this fight where there was trouble making weight. Uh, obviously, he's gone vegan now, so maybe the new diet affected uh, the energy he had in the second half of the fight. Nonetheless, it wasn't a great performance for Canelo. It doesn't change anything for me uh, in terms of Canelo's greatness. I've heard, I'm hearing a lot of people bash Canelo. I'm hearing a lot of people you know, questioning, should he have been the pound-for-pound king going into that fight? Absolutely. Canelo had taken on challenges at so many different weight classes. As I mentioned, over the last eight years, we've seen this guy fight from as low as 147 to as high as 175. Um, so there was no question about him being on the pound-for-pound pound list and being number one going into that fight. After that fight, yeah, he drops a little bit. I think Errol Spence goes to number one. I know some people have Bud Crawford, but I think Errol Spence goes to number one. But Canelo stays right up there in the top three. And Canelo will get a chance to redeem himself. They're talking about a potential rematch. I personally don't want a rematch uh, for Canelo against Bivol. I think it's I think it's a bad matchup. And I think when you combine the weight, it, it makes it a very troubling matchup. And it kind of reminds me, honestly, of Apollo Creed's trainer going into Rocky too, where he said, he's all bad for you, baby. Canelo, Canelo's people probably need to tell him, Bivol is all bad for you, baby. Leave that man alone. This isn't the, the right weight class for us. This isn't the right situation for us. And ultimately, unless Canelo plans on staying at 175 and defending that belt that he would get from beating Bibble, what's the point? If you're just beating him to rack up the belt and then you're going to let go of the belt to go back down to middleweight or super middleweight, what's the point? I, I don't see, you know, you chase greatness. It didn't work out this time, but it's all right. You can still walk away with your head held high and still make those bigger fights at middleweight and super middleweight. I think that's where his focus should be. Um, as a fan, I'm a little disappointed that we, we might get that rematch again because I don't think much changes against Bivol. I think Bivol is who he is. I think Canelo is still going to have to adjust. I've, I've openly questioned why Canelo didn't take at least one other fight at 175 to get acclimated with the weight. For people who say, oh, that's that's a soft move. Why, is he, why would you take a tune-up fight? If you don't remember, he took tune-ups before he fought Triple G at middleweight. Um, again, to get acclimated with the weight and understanding and, and making sure the power translates. So he could have done the same for Bivol. But again, we applaud him trying to chase greatness. I just don't want to see the rematch because I don't think much will change. I'll tune in, but I would love to see Canelo kind of pursue some of these other matchups at middleweight and super middleweight, specifically Triple G, Benavidez, Charlo, um, so yeah, we'll we'll see how that plays out though. There's uh, no main fights this weekend, but obviously Floyd in the exhibition. People are gonna feel the way they want to feel about it, man. Listen, keep getting a bag, Floyd. As he said before, we don't we don't knock uh, millionaires who continue and, and billionaires who continue to make money into their 70s and 80s, whether it's through business or investments. So why are we knocking an athlete for finding a way to continue to get the bag? Kudos to him. Um, before we get to the game fives and the game six tonight. I mentioned to you guys before, I'm going to talk a little baseball. We got to get into it, man, because we're at that point now, I think, where we're starting to see who the good teams are. We're starting to figure it out. And 
right now, New York City runs baseball, man. The Mets and the Yankees have been the best two teams in baseball right now through the early part of it. Obviously, we're only a month in, but the best record in the American League is the Yankees. The best record in the National League is the Mets. And, well, the Dodgers may have taken over that now that the Mets lost yesterday, but the Mets have held that top spot. The Mets were the first team to 20 wins in baseball. Um, but they've been hot. You know, it's surprising to see a team like the Angels. I think this might be the year we finally get Mike Trout in the playoffs. Um, it's much needed. It's one of the things that I think Major League Baseball, unlike other sports, really has no control over. You know, basketball is a star-driven sport, so you know you're going to get the best of the best in the playoffs every year. You know, it's very rare. Again, in LeBron's 19 years, we've only seen him miss the playoffs three times. Um, you know, you're going to get Kevin Durant. You're going to get Giannis. You're going to get these guys over and over in the playoffs and an opportunity to continue to grow and showcase for the game. Major League Baseball is different. Mike Trout has never been to the playoffs. You know, Otani has never been to the playoffs. And so for Major League Baseball, as I've said in the past, I think they don't do a good enough job of promoting their stars, specifically what's going on with the Angels, because they got two of the biggest stars in all of baseball. Those should be guys that consistently get showcased on Sunday Night Baseball, you know, in the middle of the week on the Major League Network. Um, But right now they're off to a hot start. They're leading the AL West. And maybe this is the year Mike Trout and Otani get an opportunity to get on the grand stage of the playoffs. Um, I remember for years when King Griffey Jr. didn't get there. And when he finally did what it did for not only him personally and his brand, but for the game of baseball. King Griffey Jr. started really becoming a household name to the casual fans. The people that didn't know how great of a talent he was. You know, and see him against the Yankees in a wild card matchup. Uh, seeing him make deep playoff runs year in, year out with Seattle with him and Edgar Martinez and Jay Buhner. It did great things for the game. It did great things for King Griffey Jr. I would love to see the same thing happen for Mike Trout now. With that being said, let's get over to some NBA talk. Uh, before we do, as I always mention, though, shoot me a like, shoot me a comment. Make sure you follow me across all social media platforms. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Um, we got some good stuff coming up. Will Gordon and I, the opinionated ones, again, we'll be dropping this weekend. Uh, Combo's Court, that episode did well. We're going to bring him back on. We're going to talk some more basketball. Um, so we got some good things going on, man. And like I said, game fives, reactions to game five. We're going to start with yesterday's games. Um, Memphis blowing out Golden State. I'm not making much of that. As I've said, you know, uh, on a previous episode, Will Gordon, I thought that series was going six anyway. It's actually playing out exactly the way I thought that Memphis would win two games at home. But that would be the extent of the series for them. Golden State is going to go back home for game six. They're going to wrap this thing up. It's over. Uh, Jaws not coming back. I think Memphis gave it their all yesterday in front of the home crowd. But I don't expect that to extend um, beyond game six as they go back to Oakland. Uh, but Boston. Boston, Boston, Boston. I don't know if there are very many heartbreaking losses worse than that. There are a couple that come to mind. Obviously, the Spurs and the way they lost to the Miami Heat in 2013. Um, obviously, Ray Allen hitting the shot in Game 6 and then losing Game 7. I've, that is a grander stage in the NBA Finals. There, there are a couple moments in the Finals that I can think of. That's one of them, obviously. But the Boston Celtics controlled that game. The Boston Celtics got another grand effort from Al Horford. The Celtics seemed like they were getting all the big plays every time Milwaukee seemed like they were coming back Boston would make a push and open up the lead just a little bit more open it up enough and then you get Giannis on the free throw line Milwaukee down two 
I wasn't confident he was going to make both. Giannis is not a great free throw shooter. And it would not have changed my perspective on Giannis as the best player in the game. I just didn't personally think he was going to make both. I thought he was going to miss one and it was going to turn into a extended free throw competition. He's going to have to foul Boston. Then Milwaukee comes down, going to have to foul Boston. I, that's what I thought was going to happen. He misses the second. And Bobby Portis, probably the biggest play, um, you know, and one of the biggest plays in Milwaukee Bucks history. Fights for the offensive rebound, battles two guys for it, gets the offensive rebound, and then has the composure to set himself to go back up and put it off the glass. Big time play. I thought yesterday ended the Boston Celtics season. I do not see them winning too straight against Milwaukee. They haven't done it yet. This was their opportunity. This was their opportunity to really take control of the series as well. Um, because I think Giannis is starting to wear down a little bit. We're starting to see the impact of not having Chris Middleton, but Bobby Portis with those big plays. Drew Holiday with some big plays in this one, um, especially those two defensive plays at the end to close it out. The Boston Celtics blew a golden opportunity yesterday, and I think this series is over. I think Milwaukee will survive and advance in this series. I don't think it gets past game six either. I think Milwaukee will be very raucous for that game six. I think Giannis will kind of smell blood in the water, and I could see Giannis going for a 40-piece. I think I'm going to call it now. Giannis going for a 40-piece McNugget game six against the Boston Celtics to put him away. I don't know if, you know, if you're Boston, can you expect to get that type of effort from Al Horford again? He's already given it to you twice. You know, is, is that something you can rely on? Can you rely on Jason Tatum to really show up on the road with your season on the line? I don't know if you can, I don't know if you can expect that. Um, you know, Tatum was great yesterday. Jalen Brown didn't shoot it so well. Marcus Smart was really good. The bench was really good. And I think that's the part of it that if you're Boston that you got to really be concerned with because you got good shooting from your bench. You got great minutes from, from Daniel Tice. You know, you, you got some quality minutes from Derek White. And then your starters gave you everything they could. Al Horford gave you some big minutes yesterday. Jason Tatum, again, he didn't shoot it well, especially not from three. But he gave you the production you would expect from a star. They're shorthanded. They only went eight deep yesterday. Really, you know, they went eight deep. But if you look even at the minutes, Daniel Tyson Pritchard didn't play more than 11 minutes. So they really focused on six guys yesterday. On the flip side, Milwaukee trusted their bench a little bit more. They got good production, obviously, from Bobby Porters. Um, Pat Connaughton. Holiday didn't shoot it well, though he did from three. Overall, he didn't shoot it well. He was 9-24 yesterday. But they got the good production. Obviously, the defensive stops. Giannis gave you 40 points. Giannis carried you yesterday. I think Giannis does it again in, in home in Milwaukee. I, I personally don't see this going past game six. I think they had the opportunity. I think it's done. This is one of those that's going to haunt the Celtics for quite some time because I do think the Celtics might be the best team in the East. But when you look at the way they lost game three, had every opportunity to, to put that one away, and the way they just lost game five, they should be up in the series at least, at the very least, 3-2. They should not be down. They should be up. And those are the type of losses that kind of haunt and linger. The next time the game is close, it's going to linger. It's going to be there. I think you can count on Milwaukee's role players being better at home. You might see Boston's role players take a step back on the road another 40 piece for Giannis I think I think it's over Giannis man is cementing his spot he is the best player in the game 
And now he's trying to put Milwaukee on his back without his running mate. Milwaukee's going to win this in six, man. Uh, let's get to the other series that go down tonight. We'll start with the late game first. Phoenix is going to put Dallas away. Um, I think Luka's done everything he can. I, I don't, again, I don't know how much more Luka can do. This has really been about the fact that when the role players are, are on for, for Dallas, they have an opportunity to win. When they're not, they get blown out. And so that's why I don't think this series goes any other way than Phoenix winning it. Um, I also think that Phoenix peaked in yesterday and they saw Golden State loss. Let's handle our business. Let's win now. Get a little extra rest. Get ready for a Golden State team and a, and a crazy matchup for the Western Conference Finals. But Phoenix wins it tonight. I think it's over. On the flip side, I'm not giving up on Philly. I'm not giving up on Philly. Um, I still think Philly is the better team in this matchup. I think they just caught a very emotional Miami team in game five. Strauss hitting a lot of big threes. Uh, Jimmy Butler playing super motivated without Kyle Lowry. I think that changes in Philly. I think the crowd in Philly tonight will be going crazy. I think they extend this to game seven. I initially had Philly winning this series, and that was before the news came down that Joel would miss time. When I heard Joel would miss time, I thought Miami's probably going to win the series. It's going to go to game seven. I don't want to give up on Philly just yet because I think Joel can impact the game. And in a game seven matchup, Philly's going to have two of the best three players on the court. The, the real issue is, will James Harden play like one of the top three players on the court? Or will he look like he did in game five? I think game six, James is going to be better than game five, James. But game seven, James is the biggest question mark. I don't want to give up on Philly just yet, man. Personally, I, I like Joel Embiid, and that's, that plays a big part of it. But I also look at this Miami team, and I think they're very beatable. I think they're very beatable. And you just need James Harden to play motivated. Just my thoughts, man. I could be wrong. But tonight, I got Philly winning at home and extending it to Game 7. I've got Phoenix winning on the road and ending Dallas and moving on. And as I told you guys, I think coming up, Milwaukee's going to win theirs in six. I think Golden State's going to win theirs in six. So we're going to get more into it as, as these games go on, man. But that's just where I stand right now. Tonight, I think Philly wins, man. I think they do. With that being said, man, I appreciate you guys. Keep tuning into the show. Like I said, Will Gordon will be joining tomorrow. That episode will drop over the weekend for the opinionated ones. Uh, we got some work coming up with Combos Court as well. Shoot me a like. Shoot me a comment. As I always mention. We open up the platform for any great sports debates. There's going to be a really good one on the opinionated ones. And, and the NFL schedule comes out today. I, I didn't even mention that. So that's another thing you're going to hear about this weekend because it is May 12th. So the full NFL schedule comes out today. That will be coming up on an upcoming episode as well. With that being said, man, I am Eric Sanchez, a.k.a. Legend in Two Games. This is The Sanchez Show. Appreciate you.